We're going to continue along uh, the message series that we've been in. It's called Headspace. How many of you have uh, been challenged by some things over the last couple of weeks or maybe had to rethink some things, reassess some things? And, uh, you know, and this morning, if I'm just completely transparent, this is the message I least wanted to prepare because it's the most convicting to me. And, uh, and so before I get into the message, I'm going to make a confession. I almost entitled this Confessions of your pastor. So we're going to do a little group therapy today and y'all are going to, I'm just going to air out much of my laundry and uh, some of you, you'd be like, oh, well, I already knew this, but uh, you know, so just as any group therapy would start, I have a confession to make. Hi, my name is David and I'm a workaholic. Do I have Anybody who understands me in here today, I am a workaholic. I love to be productive. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been sharing with you, the last four weeks uh, specifically, we've been sharing with you about your headspace and your mental headspace. And now some of you have already tuned me out because you're like, well, I'm not a workaholic. I know one, but I ain't one. I'll get to you in a minute. Because we're all a holic of something. We all have things that we lean towards. And, and so just because you may not be physically working doesn't mean that your mind is not working. And if, we're, if, if, if the truth be told, physical drain is easier to recover from than mental drain. Because you can actually get to a point to have a mental breakdown. And that's where your body isn't even calling a timeout. Your body saying, I'm done. Your mind, and, and there's things about this. And so, you know, but the truth of it is, is this, is that, that I and some of you, and by the end of this message, I hope that you're going to identify an area of your life that is out of control. It may not be physically, it may not be work, it may, but you're giving effort to something that's actually robbing from you. See, for me, I'm addicted to busy I'm addicted to producing something. And really it comes back to that I have this need to want to be counted on. You can count on me. If I tell you that I'll do it, I'm going to move heaven and earth to make it happen. When I should have just said no. But because I said it, now I'm bound and duty bound to do what I said. Now, some of you are like, well, that, 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 that's not a bad thing for me. Let me give you a phrase. That, and this is something that I have said for years and years and years, and I, I've said it, and I know it, but I don't change. I know you never do that kind of thing. <laughs> but see, this desire in me actually comes from a very good place, is I really want others to know that I can be relied upon, that I'm trustworthy. But what happens is that, and, and this is the phrase that I... Is, that can happen is that often my good heart, my good intention, my good desire actually betrays me. Because I'll overcommit and I'll overcaffeinate to fulfill my overcommitments and I'm overstressed, which gets to overtired. You see the, the downward. And guess what? All of that affects this. 
every bit of it. And so this morning, I want to share some things with you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reshare a quote with you that I shared last week because it, it was funny. Last week it was funny. This week it kind of hurt. And if I'm honest, it hurt last week just like it hurts this week for me. But I'm going to share it with you again because it, 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 it's funny. I think it's funny. Maybe it's just super convicting to me. But here's a quote that I came across. It says that every dead body on Mount Everest was once a highly motivated person. So maybe calm down. Now, this is true for me because that is me. I'll be so motivated until I fall over. Now, I I didn't preface this. You might hear some extra amens from this side of the room this morning. (laughs) Ignore them, okay? She's not trying to help me. She's trying to convict me. She might take a lap around the church. She might wave a hank. I don't know what's going to happen. Don't pay attention to her, okay? Okay. There's my disclaimer. So, because, I mean, again, if I'm honest, this is something I really struggle with. I like busy. I like to get stuff done. I used to, for years, and I'll just say it the way that we said it, is that me and Dara had a phrase that we would say all the time, is that we get crap done. That, and that was kind of like a badge for me. I'm like, man, I, we are going to make it happen. And what happened is, is that I have found is that people like people that get things done. And so they just ask more and more and more and more and more. And so this is something that I am actively in my own headspace, challenged with, like, you know, we have these little cards. They're out at the information center. If you haven't gotten one of these, I would grab one on your way out. And it says, I'm committed to not let blank crowd my headspace anymore. You need to define what that is. Because we all have something that is affecting us mentally. And really, your soul, when we're talking about headspace, we're talking about your soul. So it's your mind, your thoughts, your thinking processes, but it's also your emotions. You know, week one, Pastor Terrence talked about this. One of my good friends was here and he talked about how emotions are like the dashboard in your car and it'll start flashing lights and you're like, why am I on edge and why am I angry and why am I sad and why am I, you know, you may even be this, why am I crying? Somebody asked you like, what's wrong? I don't know. That's your emotion saying, Hello. One of the things that I would put on my card, I'm going to share another one with you here in a little while, but one of the things that I would put on is, and this is something that I, this is not something that I have victory in yet, but I am endeavoring to get there, is that I will stop doing what I've always been celebrated for. It's easy to keep doing the thing that everybody praises you for, but that very thing could actually become detrimental for you. For me, it's my work ethic. And I wear it like a badge. But for me to actually fulfill the call on my life and to pastor this church the way that God wants me to, guess what I'm going to have to learn to do? Say no. Because I don't want to be a statistic. I plan on doing this for a long time. And I want to finish my race well. 
And the same is true for every one of you. Your calling is not any less than mine. And God has a plan and God has a purpose and and God has a reason. But if we're not paying attention to what's happening up here, and it's not always the physical work. There's lots of other things as well. And, and, And so, you know, and I would say this is that let me let me ask permission before I even get into like kind of get into the, the meat of this. Is it okay to speak to you on a subject that I don't consider myself an expert on? Because so many times people want to look at somebody in a position like mine and say, Well, you got it all together. In some areas. But I'm just as human and struggle with the same things you do. And those bills that you get, I get too. It's amazing. I didn't go to Bible school and then be like, well, here's your house and a car. And here's like, that didn't happen. They said, here's your diploma. Go to work. You know, it's like, well, okay. But so many times I can get, and we can, and so what, but what can happen though is that, and here's the thing. I'll say it this way. I consider myself pretty competent in the understanding of what I'm about to share with you. It's in the application that I struggle. Like I struggle to take a day off. I've got to do something like I wake up and by the time my feet hit the floor, I've already got three or four things in mind that I'm moving towards. And if those aren't done at certain times, my day was not complete. And that's hard for me. It's hard for me to fight through those things. Like just give you an example. My day yesterday, I was here most of the day. Except for about two hours. So I'm going to be super transparent with you. I got here at 9 o'clock yesterday. I left at 4.30. I was back at 8 o'clock and I was here till 11.30. That was my Saturday. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to. But sometimes I need to assess my want to. And again, I'm just being super transparent with you. And it's nobody's fault but my own. And that couple of hours I took away, I went and spent some time with my family. Now, full disclosure, I took a couple of days off this week. So if you happen to struggle with uh, your workaholicism, I would encourage you to do a little test. Write down your hours on a sheet of paper. I did this last night. I was not happy. I took several days off and I still worked more than the time that I should have. And this affects us mentally. And, we, and it gets celebrated in our culture. And so, there, there, but there is this difference though of knowing what to do and actually doing it. Paul actually talks about this very struggle in Romans 7. He's, and I'm going to paraphrase it. You can go read Romans 7. He talks about this. He says, I know what to do. I just don't do it. And he's like, what is wrong with me? And of course, he talks about really um, really having to look to Jesus. You know, and, and there's things that, 
That we all can, uh, if we're not careful, we run too hard, too fast, too long, and then we wonder why we snap at our kids, or we snap at work, or we come unhinged on somebody, or whatever the case may be. And it's because we're going too hard, and our culture celebrates this. So the topic of our discussion this morning is really about busyness versus margin. Because see, we can be busy for busy's sake. And there are days that I'm just busy to be busy. And then there's days that I'm busy because I'm getting stuff done. But on those days when I'm just being busy for busy's sake, that's when I need to reassess some things. And if we're not careful, we can all get into this. You know, uh, there's a term... And I probably won't say it right, but I'm going to give it my best shot. And it's actually a Japanese term. It's called Kuroshi. Which for years, the Japanese actually were the world leaders in this term. By definition, it literally means worked to death. They would find young people in their 20s and 30s sitting at their desk on their computer dead. A few years ago, China surpassed them as being the world leader of this happening. Now, this was several years ago, about five years ago. The number was 600,000 people a year. Let me say that again. 600,000 people a year would die from overwork. I mean, that in my brain, I'm like, man, I, I mean, I... I consider myself to have some work ethic. I don't know if I ever got quite there or even close. But if I run long and hard and fast, guess where I'm headed? Guess where you're headed? And the thing is now, I'm talking about work, but we do this mentally as well. It's not reserved to just work. It's not a work issue. Some of us work too much and there's reasons because we don't have to deal with stuff. We don't want to face things. But some of us are glued to a screen, a phone, a video game to avoid those very same struggles. We live in a world that is inundated, like overwhelmed with technology. I can't tell you how many times that, that we go out in public somewhere and, you know, we're eating dinner. And, and, and this isn't an accusation. It's just a fact. But if you just look up from your phone, you'll realize everybody else is on their phone, too. You have a whole family and everybody's on their, on their device. They're on their gadget. See, we have all of these things that are pulling on us all the time. We're marketed to nonstop. Tech companies have become incredibly precise because, you know, those ads you see, those are custom tailored for you. That's not the ad that I see. It's not the ad that your spouse sees. It's not the ad that your friend probably sees. It is custom tailored for you. And it doesn't matter if you're on a website. It doesn't matter if you're on social media. It doesn't matter if it's in your email. All of that information is specifically designed to what? To grab your attention. To distract you. So one of the things that I would say, when we're talking about busyness, let me say it another way. We need to define what distracts us. Because for some of us, it could be a hobby. Like, well, I'm not working and I'm not on social media, but my whole world revolves around my next fill in the blank. 
Could be vacation, could be a sporting event, could be, I can't wait for football season to start. Let me let you know, it's March. (laughs) Football season is in the fall. We're just about to get into the spring. It's okay, your team ain't going to get better because you know every stat and you know every person and you know every name. And the thing is, is that we give things like this too much space, too much focus, too much of our attention. And so let me say it this way, is that technology is a wonderful servant, but it is a terrible master. Like, well, how do I know if, if I have it or it has me? Can you leave this thing? You know, there's this thing called phantom rings. Many of you have done this. You think your phone just rang. You feel it vibrate and you're like. Oh, nobody. That's how well you're programmed. And we're not even aware of it. Now, some of you don't struggle with technology at all. Because you want to go live in a fort out in the woods somewhere, 100 miles from anybody. You need people. But not everybody's wired like that. See, if we can't set it aside, it is a problem. And see, here's the trick, though, because we used to use this terminology. Is it, oh, we got to unplug. Well, how do you unplug in a wireless world? I mean, used to, you had to log on to the Internet. You actually had to wait to get on the Internet. Some of you are too young to have any idea what I'm talking about. It was called dial-up. And when I was on the internet, nobody could call my house. You get a busy signal. Get off the computer. I got to make a phone call. It can wait. This is important business. I'm talking to my friend down the street on chat. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Now, we have a supercomputer in our pocket. Like, your phone has more capabilities than the computer that you owned five years ago. It's debatable. Your phone may have more, depending on how often you upgrade. You're like, well, my phone's five years old. Okay, well, you got a a rock that you still use to call people on. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, let me just put it in very real. Have you ever wondered why tech companies are the most valuable companies in the world when they actually own nothing? Think about it. I mean, Facebook, Google, they're tech companies. What do tech companies have? Data, information. Let me say it this way. They know you and me better than we know each other. They know us better than we know us. Why? Because everything is being logged. That's how they send you that ad. And you're like, man, I didn't even know I needed this pot. How did they know? I didn't know I needed this, but all of a sudden I'm very interested. And two hours later, I come out of the rabbit hole convinced. I have to have this. I ordered two. And then it shows up and it's like, why did I order this? Because they've gotten your attention with something else. See, big tech is vying. And look, I'm not against technology. I actually utilize technology all the time. 
I love technology. I'm a techie person. As long as it works, I get frustrated when it doesn't. But, but they're vying for our attention. And technology can be great. It can be used for a lot of good things, but it can also be very detrimental. I mean, we can go a little bit old school and just say, let's just talk about the TV. You're like, oh, but I'm not a workaholic, but you're a watchaholic. Like, I mean, we have a whole term, like, I'm going to binge watch. There's people that won't watch a show because they're going to wait till the whole season comes out so they can just watch it all at once. And then next year, it's like, we're going to go and do that again. We're going to do a marathon weekend. We're going to watch three seasons in two days. But it's affecting you. And so just because you may not be, and look, and sometimes it's under the guise of entertainment. Well, sometimes entertainment is not actually good for your soul. And it may be funny. But just because it's entertaining doesn't mean that it's healthy. And we have to assess the things that we're allowing to come into our lives. And so big tech and all these companies, they're masters of uh, really filling our headspace with information overload. We're so distracted all the time. And this probably happens to a lot of us. We see something in a moment, we're thinking about it, we walk in the room and we're like, why did I walk in here? That's how you know your brain's on overload. It's a sign. And it's not just old age. Because I'm not that old. Praise God. The older I get, the higher that number becomes, you know. It's amazing how that works. See, I actually am concerned that we're actually being destroyed by preoccupation. That we really are. You know, there's a term that we hear called occupied territories. And, I, and my concern is, is that we actually, our, our brains are being occupied by the enemy. By the devil, and he's distracting us constantly. And I'm not saying that big tech is the enemy. But you make your own assessments. Technology is not good or bad. It's all about the person who uses it. Now, some technology is very bad. But not all. But I found this this definition of, if you will, of occupied territory. And it says that it's territory under the authority or the effective control of a belligerent armed force. You may not actually be in control of what's happening in your brain because you've given up that space and that authority to somebody else. Being the enemy. Those lies that just continually roll in your head. That's why the Bible tells us we have to renew our mind to the word of God. Why? So that we know the truth. So that when a falsehood gets spoken, which is why you got to come to the foundations class so you can know who you are in Christ. Why? Because when the lie comes, you know the truth. Anybody who, who looks for counterfeit money, they don't study the counterfeit. They study the real thing so that the obviousness of the fake is very apparent. That's the trick. They don't go try to find every counterfeit and say, we're going to study the 5,000 different varieties of counterfeit $100 bills. They say, no, if I just know the real thing, I'm going to recognize the counterfeit. And when we know the real thing from the word of God, who, who he's created us to be, we'll recognize it and say, nope, that's not, that's not what God has for me. See, technology, it, it, it's like a river. 
It's good until it starts overflowing its banks. Let me use another term. It's good until it starts overflowing its boundaries. And it has, and there's a, I believe there is a place for technology that can be leveraged for good in our life. And it can be a blessing, but it can become a burden. And if we can't lay those things aside, something is wrong. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we hosted the Exo Marriage Conference, and there was a, uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans did a session. And he talked about, um, really, I think the title was Digital Marriage. And he talks about this. But there was one phrase that he gave that I'm going to share with you. They really stuck out to me. And he says that we should never give up someone for something. Relationships are real. Like, if you can touch that person, that's real. If you can't touch them, it ain't real. Now, I know online dating... I'm not against that. I know people that have been married have wonderful marriages. I know godly people who have done it. Praise God. I'm not talking about that, but what I'm saying is we can be so digital and so invested in technology that it's actually warping the way that we view actual relationships. Let me just give you an easy marker. If you find it hard to make conversation with somebody sitting across the table from you, but you can talk to people online all day long, you're being affected. So, my, so one of my questions for you today is how busy is your soul? How busy is your mind? How, how busy are your emotions? How tied up? Is there that extra, that margin, that, that space? Because even busyness, is, it, it, it's engaged in action. In other words, it's like putting your car in drive and you never put it in park. You never put it in neutral. That's your brain going, 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 going. Another definition of busyness is means to be occupied, to be meddling, or to be full of distracting detail. You know, Jesus talked about this. You can go read this in the story of Mary and Martha. Mary comes and sits at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's in the kitchen ready to take a, a rolling pin to her sister. Because she's like, I'm in here cooking for all these folks that rolled up in my house today. Nobody called me and told me they were coming. But Jesus shows up with all this posse and I'm supposed to cook food for everybody. Her hair's all out of whack. She got flour all over her. You think I'm joking? You go read her response to Jesus. She had some attitude. Excuse me, Jesus. Tell her to get off her butt and get in the kitchen. Martha was busy, but Jesus said that Mary had chose the most important thing. And he even goes, I ain't going to do nothing about it. I can't imagine. She probably had this big huff and probably stomped off to the kitchen. But yet we're busy and in our minds. But see, busy is a progression. It is a progression. And it starts and it just builds and builds and builds. And so here's... and so. This is the best way that I know how I can communicate to you the progression of busy. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you something that I wrote. Is that busy, now there's a lot of in-between steps in this, but busy leads to tired. And I don't just mean physically. Again, physical tired, you can get over with some sleep. Mental tired, you have to have time. That's why it takes longer. So busy leads to tired. Tired leads to weakness and to compromise. Weakness and compromise will lead you to collapse. 
So my question is, are you ready to make a shift? Because busy leads to collapse. A collapse of relationships, a collapse of your health, a collapse of your mental abilities, your faculties. And it all started with busy. And it leads to destruction. That's the work of the devil. That is how he works. See, there's actually a a phrase or a quote, if you will. It's It's an old quote, but it says, If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. So let me say it another way. If he can't make you sin, he'll just get you distracted. Get you distracted off of your purpose, off of your calling, off of what God really had for you. And so you got 42 hobbies, but when was the last time you actually plugged into the word of God? You got all these other things that are happening, all these other things that are going. And sometimes it's just in our heads. But when was the last time that we said, man, I'm just a lot distracted. Like I ain't focused on anything. See, this is why I'm committing to change this aspect of my life. And my encouragement is, you might need to consider this too. And look, I'm in no place to to throw accusations because I'm just pointing to myself today. Again, this is group therapy. Y'all just listen to me air it out, right? See, having margarine is is actually having an established boundary like a river has. A river has banks and says, hey, if everything flows within these banks, we're good. But when the water rises too much, floods happen and chaos happens and destruction happens. And that can happen with us even mentally. Sometimes we need to unplug. And and so there there has to be um, extra space available. Let me say it another way. Is that there there has to be time that's unaccounted for. See, I believe that we can actually have mental debt just like we can have financial debt. We can have emotional debt just like we have financial debt. Now, we don't talk about that as much, but it's still very true. Because what happens with financial debt? You spend money before it's available. Right? We got the credit card. I don't have the money in my bank account, but I want it today. So I'm going to swipe and I'm going to charge it to to an account... That I can't pay the bill on yet. So I'm spending money before I have it. I think we do that with our time. I think we spend energy and effort and and, and all these things before we ever have it. That's the thing about time. You don't have tomorrow yet. But you could already spend tomorrow's energy today. So now you're in a time debt. And just as I believe that it's not too wise to have too much financial debt, I I could actually argue the case that it's actually more damaging to have a time debt than a financial debt. Because here's the thing, you can always get more money. Like, oh, it's easy for you to say, there's no shortage of money on the planet. Just because you don't have it don't mean it ain't there. I'm sure, you know, with everything, I don't know if you saw this, some guy just had an 800 something million dollar yacht confiscated this week. 800 million dollar boat. The largest, most expensive boat on the world. They just took it this week. You can get more money. 
You may say, well, I don't think so. You could. You just got to work that extra job, pick up those extra hours, do that extra thing. And then you become the hamster on the wheel just chasing money, chasing stuff, chasing things. Well, what about your time, though? Because you do realize when you go to work, you're exchanging your time for money. You're not actually getting paid for what you do. You're getting paid for your time. But here's the thing. There's more money. There's not more time. We all get 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 60 minutes an hour, 60 seconds a minute. And that thing is just cranking. And we don't get to replay yesterday. And I don't get to change tomorrow. But I can deal with today. And so this is important that we understand this. And so let me ask you another question. Is that you may budget your money, but do you budget your time? Do you really sit down and plan out your time? See, the Bible talks about it. And so I I use the word margin. The Bible would actually talk about Sabbath, rest. But it's not just like more sleep. Sabbath means an actual rest for your soul. And so I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes. But Jesus makes a statement in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus says to them, says the Sabbath was made, to, uh, was made to meet the needs of the people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. In other words, you can make rest a law and Jesus is saying, hey, you missed the whole point. You're the one who needs time off. God doesn't need your day off. You need it. I need it. And so, so, but we can get so like stuck in a mindset and really what Jesus is talking about is saying, hey, you need to be very intentional about your time and how much time you're giving to things. See, we need rest. But when I say rest, I'm not solely talking about the time that I'm laying down with my eyes closed. That is not rest. That is sleep, not necessarily rest. You ever woke up from a sleep Like a a good time of sleep and thought, I'm exhausted? It's because sleep is not rest. They are not the same thing. See, sometimes this can happen is that you lay down, you get all cuddled up, nuzzled up, you're all warm in your bed, and you're all comfy, your eyes are closed. But our mind's going 90 to nothing. And we can't go to sleep and we're replaying and forecasting and, and all these things. But there's actually no rest in our soul. You know, you're actually promised sweet sleep in Scripture multiple times. That God says, hey, I'm going to give you some rest. Let me, let me give you a couple of Scriptures here. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, now the Amplified this is important for you to hear. It says, God did not give us a spirit of, timid, of timidity or cowardice or fear. Jesus didn't save you to be fearful. Matthew 6 talks about don't worry for tomorrow. It's got enough problems to take care. Just let God take care of that. Trust God. So God didn't give you a spirit of, of, of fear. No, he says, the implied as this, but he has given you. So he didn't give you this spirit, but he did give you this one of power and a love of sound judgment and personal discipline. These abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Now I'll give you a personal example of a situation that happened years ago. Uh, I won't go into all the detail. 
I'll give you the highlights. We went on a missions trip. I was on some medication for malaria. I didn't think when I came home, I took a bunch of junior high students to a water park. I got severely sunburned, like where I was purple. Because the medication made me sensitive to the sun. I'm already pasty, so I didn't need any help to get burnt. And uh, yeah. And so long story short, we go to lunch. We had to host somebody that weekend, a guest speaker. So we're at lunch and I start scratching because my chest started itching. And the more they talked, the more I kept scratching and I kept scratching. And it just kind of spiraled out of control. By the time we got to the car, I'm like ripping clothes off. I'm like yelling at her. This is, I'm not exaggerating. I'm yelling at her. And I'm like, give me something. Like, I don't even, I was like, and she's like, like what? I was like, lotion, I don't care. You're a girl. You have all this stuff. Get me some relief. <laughs> I am, and now look, I'm making a lot of it. I was losing my mind. I don't know if I've ever been beside myself. I'm, 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 I promise you, I'm not exactly, I'm actually not even going into the full depth. Like I was beside myself. She can't find anything. I'm screaming at her. We've been married like a year. I'm just, and so she's like, I don't have anything. I'm like, go to the store. So she leaves. I'm, I, come in, because I like. If you came in my house, there was literally. We lived in a townhouse. There was a stairwell. There was clothes from the front door to the bathroom. I turned it on cold, and I just stood in the shower, and my skin felt like it was on fire. I'm losing my mind. I'm laying on our bed, squeezing a pillow as tight as I possibly can, and my mind is racing. My heart is elevated. I mean. It, and the Holy Spirit spoke and said, you better calm down. You're going to pass out. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then the thought came. She's too small. She can't get you down these stairs. And I thought, you're right. Me and the pillow went downstairs and I laid on the couch. And I continued to freak out on the couch. <laughs> this is 100% true. I'm not exaggerating one ounce not even a little bit of embellishment am i have you ever seen me like that because i got sunburned (laughs) god has given me a spirit that gives me what a calm and a well-balanced mind and i'm thankful that in the middle of my freak out the holy spirit would still speak to me And say, you need to calm down. By the time she got home, which I mean, wasn't that long. It felt like an eternity. I mean, I don't know if she walked to the store or drove, but it. (laughs) She got lost at Target for a little while. I don't know what happens in Target, but whatever that is, I don't know. We didn't have a Target. She went to Walmart. How many men know what I'm talking about Target, though? It's like a black hole. Anyhow, I forgot what Darren went to the store for the other night. It was one item. And I'm like, where are you at? And she's like, it's Target. (laughs) Nothing else needs to be said. I'm just going to leave it alone. So that is actually good news. And some of you need to know that, by the way. In the middle of you freaking out, the Holy Spirit will still speak to you. Kind, gracious, loving. He ain't moved one bit. And he ain't like, hey, stop it. He's just like, hey, 
How you doing? Wait, how am I doing? You know how I'm doing. It's horrible. But then wisdom will come and you got to listen. You got to listen. Why? Because you have a spirit on the inside of you that will actually overcome the chaos of your mind if you'll listen and heed the wisdom. I'm so off track, y'all. This is, it's okay, though. Let me give you another scripture. Psalms 127, verse 1 and 2. I'm meddling today, by the way. In case you, see, it's just group therapy for me. I'm telling you. I'm going to be free before I leave this place this morning. Psalms 127, verse 1 and 2 out of the message. It says, if God doesn't build the house... Let me say it in other words, another way. Unless you build your house, your life on the wisdom of God, you labor in vain and you, the house you think you're building, it's just a shack. It says if God didn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. It says if God doesn't guard the city, the night watchman should just take a nap. You're all worried and can't sleep, just go to sleep. God's got it. It says, unless you rise, or it says, it's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that he enjoys giving rest to those that he loves? Rest, not sleep. God loves to give you rest. Proverbs 3, 21 through 22 says, dear friend, guard clear thinking and common sense. We need more common sense in the day in which we live, by the way. I can't preach on that, but it's in the Bible. It's in the message translation. It says, guard clear thinking and common sense in your life. Don't for a minute lose sight of them. They'll keep your soul alive and well. Guard clear thinking. Guard your thoughts. Guard what's happening in your mind. And common sense, why? Because it will keep your soul alive. Drop down verse 24. It says, then you'll enjoy afternoon naps. My wife says, that was a weak amen on that one, dear. Like, it says, you'll enjoy afternoon naps without a worry. You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions of doomsday that is just around the corner because God will be right there with you. And he'll keep you safe and sound. There's a lot of paranoia right now because of what we see happening in the world. Oh my gosh, is this the end times? Russia's invading the Ukraine. Is this just a setup? Yes. But should I be up in arms about it? No, because God already told us it was going to happen. I mean, I don't know how much that you've looked into it, but I've actually seen. Um, and look, I, we ought to be praying for the nation of the Ukraine. We ought to be. I mean, a million people are now displaced. It's the largest displacement of people since World War II. But I read a report. It was either this week or into last week, maybe. And it was a pastor who's in the Ukraine right now. And and. I won't get it quite right, but this is close enough. He said that their rockets disappear in midair and nobody knows where they went. We're alive and safe in our homes. Thank you for your prayers. So that's why even I think it was last week we posted something. How do we pray for the people of Ukraine? But see, if you're not careful, you'll allow what's happening thousands of miles away to totally overwhelm your, your thought life. I mean, like, oh my gosh, is this a tribulation? Guess what? That's actually really good news for us. The Bible says that we ought to look towards that day with some delight and some expectation, not with fear and trepidation. Why? Because that means Jesus is coming back. Like, well, when is Jesus coming back? Sooner than later. I don't know. 
But there's a lot of things that are lining up. So what do we do? In the midst of chaos, we can still have peace. The Bible promises us that. We can have the peace that passes all understanding. It goes beyond logic. Oh my gosh, the stock market's all over the place. The economy's going to collapse. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Jesus is going to sit on the throne and Jesus is going to be glorified and the gospel is going to go forth and people are going to get saved and that's what's going to happen. It doesn't change God one bit. Let me say another. God doesn't need our help. All of our worry can't change one second of our life and it's not going to change one moment of God's plan. It's not. So what happens, so we have to understand that regardless of what we see happening, that's why this is vital. That we're having this conversation, looking at these things. So one of the lies that I have believed through the years is this, is that I believe that I can do more in seven days than God can do if I'll just trust him and work for six. And obey him. Obey him by what? Honoring the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 10 says this, says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That's an important term, which I'll define for you in just a moment. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. It says you have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord. Six days you can work. And really, if you want to know what Sabbath is, it means go find something you enjoy. It doesn't mean, well, I'm just going to lay in bed for a whole day. I might open my eyeballs, but that might, that's the law. What, what really it replenishes your soul? Where do you find actual rest? Because, see, we can get on our devices. We can sit on the couch, and especially during fall, football season. I mean, Darren's like, people play football at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, they do on the East Coast, and I can watch it till 1 o'clock in the morning and sit there all day, and I'm exhausted. Why? Because I, I never rested. I'm just sitting there watching TV. I'm on the phone. I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm, I'm engaging mentally, and I'm exhausted. I'm like, well, that was a sad day off. See, the word holy actually means to be set apart for God's purposes. That's what that, that word holy defined really means. So when God calls us a holy priesthood, a holy nation, he say, hey, I've already set you apart. In our verbiage here, we'd say, hey, we're called to make a difference. Yeah, because God has set you apart to influence and, and to make an impact in the world around you. So Exodus says, remember to observe the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. In other words, set it apart for the reason that God implemented it. Remember in Matthew, Jesus said, look, the Sabbath wasn't made for us to do it. It was made for us. Why? Because we need it. So I don't have a ton of answers for you today. I don't have some big punchline, some like, woo, be impressed. But I do have a question. What does real soul rest look like for you so how do i know when i get there because your mind calms down and really there's only one place to get it truly i mean environments matter i like environments 
I mean, it got hot yesterday, and all I could think about was, man, there's snow on a mountain somewhere. <laughs> I need to go find it. I'm not ready for the heat. And, and those places are great, but at the end of the day, I can go on vacation and not find rest. Many times we come back from vacation more tired than we left for. Because we were excited when we got back and then we're bummed out when we get back because we're just tired. And again, this is, I'm no expert. I'm, I'm trying and endeavoring to learn this. But we've got to learn that rest is unencumbered time. It's unclaimed mental space. It's time that our mind can actually get to a place of peace. Well, that can only come through a connection with the Lord. Like a real relationship with God has to come. So Sabbath, what is it? It, It's a time of enjoyment. It's relaxing. It's putting the wind back in your sails. That's really what it's about. And we need this rest. And you may be, you can fill in your aholic version of whatever you want. I told you mine, I'm a workaholic. I want to get stuff done. I want to make stuff happen. But you may have a different area. That You may say, oh, I'm right there with you. Welcome to the club. But it's not a club I want to stay a part of. And you have an area of your life that's just, it, it's out of bounds. It's, it's, it's beyond its boundaries. And it's affecting you. And you got to ask the Holy Spirit, what is that area? What's that, that spot of my life that's just taking up too much? So I'm going to give you another one of my little things on my card. I gave you one earlier, but here's another one. Is I got to stop taking myself so seriously. Like the world won't fall apart if I take the day off. And if it does, something's wrong anyways. So I've got to allow myself some, some grace and some space to just chill out. To be intentional with my time. And to say, man, this is what I need. This is, the, this is you know, it sounds selfish. But we've got to make those shifts. Why? Because our mental health is at stake. Our mental capacity, the peace that passes all understanding is at stake. And if I'll learn to come in line with the word of God and just say, God, I'm just going to trust you. And I just thank you for your peace. And in those moments where you get frustrated and you're kind of on full tilt and it's just like, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. He's here. He's here. And after you freak out, he'll... Just standing there. I'm here. I mean, never had the Holy Spirit speak this to me necessarily, but I can be pretty analytical and get all these thoughts running. And sometimes I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit's just kind of like, you done yet? Just, I'm waiting on you to get done so that I can give you the answer that you've been stressed out about. But you know, the Holy Spirit won't interrupt you either. Most of the time. He'll just wait. He'll wait till we're ready. Then, then it's just like, man, why didn't you interrupt me? He's going to wait. He won't do it. Because he'll let us do whatever we want. 
We have to take responsibility for what's happening up here. We have to. But if we'll commit to making these shifts and to making these changes, it will produce. Stop working so much. Get off social media. Get off the technology. Unplug. Like, go look your kids in the eyes. Go have some fun. I don't have a problem with this one. Go eat some good food. I mean, my motto is if I got to eat food, it might as well be good. So, you know, that's my motto in life. So, you know, I mean, enjoy life. We're not just trudging towards death. God wants us to enjoy it. It's a blessing. And so I want to pray this morning before we wrap up. I hope my group therapy session was good for you. It was good for me. I feel better. But uh, thank you for listening to me, Aaron, all my stuff. But let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now. Father, that you are the God of real rest. Father, that you have your wisdom available to us. And so, Father, I thank you that even in the midst of, of chaos is that you're still good, that you're still faithful, that you're still right there and available for us, to us. And so, Father, I thank you that you help us recognize the areas of busyness in our life, whether it be in the physical realm, whether it's in the mental realm, whatever it may be that's really uh, hindering us from experiencing your life and your goodness every day. Father, I thank you that you're just highlighting those, those areas of our heart and of our life that are really distracting us and keeping us from the life that you've already made ready for us to live. And so, Father, I thank you that, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak to us, to give us a, a clear picture of those times where we just get like Martha did. We're just so worried about things that really aren't that important that we want to be more like Mary who chose the most important thing, which was to come and to be with you so that we could get a real soul rest. And so, Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness to us. Father, we give you honor and praise for it.